our visitors like, "Uh uh-oh. We actually have a little thing. We're going to be slide. I'm going to tell you that it's it's our effort to try to uh, upgrade ourselves. We've got a little thing, a presentation today. It it could make your head spin, but we're just, uh, we're learning. So it probably is a little overdone today, but it's meant to inform you. What we have is an obligation as a church, which is a nonprofit, uh, in, which doesn't mean we don't like money. It just means that in the end, our purpose is not to sell a product for a profit. Um, you'll find out that last year, as I share some numbers, we have an obligation before the IRS to have what's called a communication meeting at least once a year. And in that communication meeting, we have to disclose to the people who attend, do you know that a church, what establishes you as a church is that you actually have a charter. You actually have bylaws, a constitution that we go by. And so this church has bylaws and a constitution. We have, by the IRS, we have to have a membership. Uh, You can't go out and start and call yourself a church and and receive exempt status. Um, You've got to have a congregation. And so that's what I'm accountable for. I talk about accountability all the time. And that's part of what today is about, is about accountability. It's to be transparent and to give you a window into the church, guests and visitors. Sometimes we would do this outside of the time. I found that when churches do it, like we're going to have a meeting at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night, um, guess who showed up? Nobody likes to hear those kinds of details. There weren't very many. It was a pastor in our families usually. So here's the thing. We do it Sunday mornings because uh, generally we're not ashamed of what we do, and we want to present it, and we want to give you vision and mission. We want you to see what this church is about, and you'll be able to see it in how we spend our monies, the, the stewardship. You'll see it in some of the goals that we have. And probably the very end is one of my favorite big, big things. Um, look in your bulletin, if you would. There's a page that says Global God, a global vision. We're going to be uh, reading a little bit from Isaiah. It's, you're going to hear the word, not just a bunch of technical stuff. Um, you're going to hear some mission and vision and what, what I believe is the heart of God for this church and for this, uh, this community and this region. So... Um, look down at the questions underneath. What is the biggest thing that you desire in this life? I want you to think about that. What is the biggest thing that you desire in this life? Some of you, it could be that you want to have children. Some of you want your children to leave home. Some of you, it could be that you're looking to, you, you want to be debt free. Some of you are looking that you want to have enough money for retirement. You'd like to have peace in your life. You'd like security. Whatever that is, you have a goal that what is the biggest thing, the biggest thing that you desire in this life? The second one is, what's your understanding of why the church exists? What's your understanding of why the church exists? Somewhere along the way, I'd like for you to fill those in. I'd like you to really think about that. Well, why does it exist? To make me feel good? To sing songs? To have a food pantry? To help the poor? Whatever those things are, I'd like you to put those down. Someday we'll have a a dialogue about that. Not today necessarily, because we're going to help you to see what part of the reason why we exist. What on earth are you on earth for? I want you to, have you answered that question yet? What on earth are you on earth for? Part of that talks about what God's plan for you is. Do you know God's got a plan for each and every one of us? And the last one is, what is keeping you from pursuing God's plan? You got your plan? The best life you can possibly have is when you find yourself solidly pursuing and doing His plan. Amen? Can you say His plan? Hallelujah. So, read along with me in Isaiah 49, verse 5 and 6. Actually, just wait a minute. I'm going to start back at uh, verse uh, 1. So, let me open this one. Here's what he says. Listen, far-flung lands, islands. Pay attention, faraway people. God put me to work from the day I was born. The moment I entered the world, he named me. Now, this is personal to me because I believe this is exactly what I, as a preacher, as a pastor, that I'm called to. I spent 17 years in in, in wholesale industry in the pool business down in Florida. And somewhere along the way, God got a hold of me and showed me that this was all preparation for what he really had for me. And so, 
God put me to work from the day I was born. The moment I entered the world, he named me. He gave me speech that would cut and penetrate. He kept his hand on me to protect me. He made me his straight arrow and hid me in his quiver. He said to me, you're my dear servant. Says Israel. When it says Israel, we do what? It also applies to us. You're my dear servant, Joel, Barb, Helen, Diane, Terry, Marcy. You're my dear servant, through whom I'll shine. But I said, I've worked for nothing. I've nothing to show for a life of hard work. Nevertheless, I'll let God have the last word. I'll let him pronounce his verdict. And now, God says, this God who took me in hand from the moment of birth to be his servant, to bring Jacob back home to him, to set a reunion for Israel. What an honor for me in God's eyes that God should be my strength. He says, but that's not big enough. That's not a big enough job for my servant. Just to recover the tribes of Jacob, merely to round up the strays of Israel, I'm setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. God, Redeemer of Israel, the Holy of Israel, says to the despised one kicked around by the nations, slave labor to the ruling class, kings will see, get to their feet, the princes too, and then fall on their faces in homage because of God who has faithfully kept his word the holy of Israel, who has chosen you. Now, verse 8, God also says, when the time's ripe, say ripe, I answer you. When victories do, I help you. I form you and use you to reconnect the people with me, to put the land in order, to resettle families on the ruined properties. Wow, there's your mission. You want to know what a pastor exists for? Right there it is. That's a preacher. What's, what am I called for? It, it, I form you and use you to reconnect the people with me, to put the land in order to resettle families. I want to just tell you that before I talk about the goals of a church, I'm telling you right there in the Word of God is found that I believe I've been called. I didn't choose this as a profession or as a career. I've been called and appointed by God. Because I've been appointed by God, it's important that I understand what God wants me to do, that I do what he wants me to do, not what people want me to do, and not what I necessarily want to do. You understand? That's a pretty tough challenge, because guess what? I'm like you. I've got some goals and ideas and things that I think how I'd like to run my life and how I'd like my life to look. And uh, usually what's happened is when I go there, It doesn't work out so good. So here I am to you because I want to tell you that part of God bringing you to this church is that we have a mission. There's a vision. There's a purpose why we exist. Some of that many of us will know, but I'm not taking any of that for granted. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about uh, refreshing vision. Here, first of all, before we go there, I want to talk about mission, okay? Because the mission of every church is established by God himself. And I want to show you that. And I believe Joel and I, in talking about all these things, we're looking for the the third arm of this uh, this thing, mission and vision. And I believe uh, we've we've come across it. I believe we found it. So when you have what's called the the, the great commandment, remember that? That's out of Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, wait a minute. I'm talking out of... This is a passage out of Deuteronomy when God first is revealing himself, calling his people to himself. This was a command that was given. But this is Jesus in in his day when somebody says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he talks about what he's accomplished. And they ask him about which is the greatest of the commandments. And then Jesus, he took this and he just summed it up in these verses. And that's what he said. You must. So he calls to mind the things that were of the first established how God said, I want you to be my people. I want you to seek after me with everything you got, no holding back. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, God was using the prophets to proclaim his purposes to to his people all along until at some point they weren't listening. And so God fell silent. That's called that 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He just said, okay, I'm done talking. Anybody ever had that happen to you where you did it to your kids or your kids, your, your, you did it to somebody else? I, I'm done talking. It ain't getting nowhere, so why bother? So God just says, here it is. But he left us when Jesus comes. He introduces this, this same old thing. Remember, seek me with everything you got, he says. So that's called the great commandment. The next thing we have is called the great commission. Now, the great commission is what? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, that explains that this is what commission is, is that when you launch somebody into it, see, you launch them into what their purpose is, a life purpose. Here it is. So he says, not just anybody telling you what to do, God, Jesus himself, who says now he's got all authority. Now, because he's all authority, he says there is nobody with greater authority. Now I'm giving you this commission. I'm telling you, this is what I want you to do. So the great commandment to love the Lord your God with everything you got, and then you got the great commission and love your neighbor, equal. And then the great commission, which says, go out and do this, make disciples, get people saved. That means take them from certain death and, and, and a place where they're separated from God in this life, and they'll be separated from God in, the, in that which is to come. You have eternity somewhere. You have it in heaven with him, which is where he desires, and, or you have it in hell, which is apart from him. So you can live your life here, live and die apart from God, and then you're going to live again in eternity, either apart from God or with God. That's, that's really what, what the whole salvation message is. That's about eternity. So the great commandment and then the great commission, and we've, we, we believe here in the last one in Ephesians, it actually gives us what is called the great condition. The great condition is the way that the church should be. This is what Christians, how we ought to be able to live our lives. So here it is. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Say, Uh, that's a mouthful. So here it is. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Can you say wow? That's a wow moment right there is because we've got the great commandment, we've got the great commission, and now we've got the great condition. That says this is what we ought to have our lives to model as a church is that we're coming to this kind of a, uh, this is what we're going to look like. We're going to have this kind of unity. And then what it is, it's, it's almost, uh, what do I call that word? There's a word for that. Um, self-perpetuating. That's what it's called. That means is that we reproduce. That's what making disciples is all about. When you come to that kind of unity, that kind of look, the building up of ourselves in love, being able to speak the truth in love, you'll come into that place where you begin to replicate, duplicate. You begin to make more people like that. Guess what? Our, our country, if not the whole world, is a mess because we haven't done so good a job with that. See? We need to be able to come with one, not a bunch of different ideas and concepts and constructs and opinions, but to be able to come and say, okay, here it is. And guess what? 
There's only one source that, that I'm holding is the highest authority, and that's this right here. And it's not because I'm going to make it say what I want it to say. It says what it says. It is what it is. Our best thing, our best hope is when we come back to that foundation, which is the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, you're in a world of hurt. You're drifting. You're being tossed out there all the time. Well, your life is going to reflect that. So here we've got it is in this wonderful graph. Say, that's a wonderful graph. It's the great commandment, which is right above. You're going to be seeing this all over the place. You're going to get sick of it, but please don't. The next one is the great commission. I've given you those verses. This is right out of the Bible. And then the great condition down on the bottom. This is what we're, we're aiming for. To put it in friendlier terms, Joel did this, so it softens it up a little bit. The heart of God, the great commandment to love him with everything we got. The great commission is to go. Green is for go. And then, of course, the great condition We'll have the peace of God and we'll have joy in our lives because we're living the, 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 out the condition that he's wanted us to, to be in. Amen? All right. Here it is, vision. Say, lead, share, grow, serve, build. Do you know what that is? That's all right there in Ephesians in the great condition. Ready for this? Here it is. Lead, share, grow, serve, build. Listen to this again. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. They're called the leaders. That's where it starts. Folks, we all have to fit under somebody. There's a boss. There's an order that God has established. This is the way it works. Now, you can become one of those leaders, but guess what you have to do? You have to go around that little circle. You have to take these steps to become that. So here it is. He gave some as teachers for the leading. So we lead. You, you, you come to a point of, of being called into those roles. Those are appointments. Those are gifts. Those are talents. That's an, a commissioning that God does. Uh, Paul, the apostle, says it's by the laying on of hands, for example. So some were disciples who became apostles. You're familiar with those guys, like Peter. But then there's this guy named Paul who becomes an apostle, though he was never a disciple. But he was a disciple of somebody. See, he wasn't one of Jesus' original disciples, and yet God revealed himself specifically to Paul. So Paul has an, a, an appointment that is not based on what everybody else's was. He had his own calling from God specifically. So they become leaders. Leaders, what we do is we're supposed to share and so, in this case, it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. We're supposed to share our gifts, our talents, our knowledge, our ability, the, the things that God has put on our hearts to train and to equip. So we share that to the building up of the body of Christ. So we've got build, then until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That's a matter of we share our lives because that's what unity is, is it's a mutual sharing of our lives and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, we're talking about growing now, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we're growing from who we are, who we were, to become like Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, there's leading again, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, that's called serving, by every joint supplies, what is your purpose in the body? What on earth are you on earth for? You all have a purpose. Yes, you have a purpose outside the church, something you do, you know, all the rest of the time, but you also have a purpose that is integrated within the church because that's what God has designed to be a vehicle and a vessel. It's what gives everybody, all these individuals, brings us together for a common goal and common purpose. Driving up here, we were going sometimes a little faster than the speed limit was posted. And we said, you know, you don't want to be the, in trucking language, I think, they used to call it that, you know, you'd be... You know, you, there's the head and there's the tail and then there's called the rocking chair. And that's being somewhere in the middle. You know, being in the rocking chair is a real safe place. Because they'll catch the guy at the front or they'll catch the guy at the back. But you get to be in that rocking chair, see? So the idea is, is that 
if we move, I said, honey, when you're, she's driving, I said, honey, I said, stay up there. You don't want to be back here. Remember, it's kind of like in that, you know, when you see the, the lions or tigers attacking, they attack the one that gets separated from the rest of the flock or the group. So, you know, that's the same way for the church. When you isolate yourselves and you get isolated, you know, the devil does it or we do it to ourselves. When you get isolated, you get picked off. When you get all alone, that's where the battle of the mind begins to take over. That's where you're, you're in terrible trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's not just, I mean, that's anywhere. I, you know, that's when you go to, to big places. It's good. It's why Jesus sends them out two by two. See, in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, it says that, you know, it's, it's better to have two working together. You know, because if one falls, there's somebody there to pick you up. That's what part of the body of Christ is supposed to be, is that we serve with one another. We help one another. We build one another. Last part of that says is that each joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Folks, I'm telling you, in that passage gives you what the vision of the church really is, is we want to lead with integrity. We want to share our lives. We want to see people getting saved because that's the mission of the church to go and make disciples, see them getting saved, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior. We want to see them growing up and maturing which means that, folks, when we have opportunities, Bible study, and we have other tools that we're going to show you even here, we need you to partake. We need you to invest. We need you to say, okay, this is important for me to be here. Then we need you to, with that, now you're being equipped. The first thing, we, we have this old saying, which says the first thing you is that you be, that is you grow into this maturity, and then you do. So what, from what you be, you do. That's the calling of the disciples. He says, he called them that they might be with him and then that he might teach them and instruct them and send them out, see, to do exploits, to heal, to deliver. So serving is a natural part of what the body of Christ is supposed to do. And yes, you serve outside, you serve in all kinds of ways. You're supposed to walk this thing 24-7, 365. But you also have that within the church structure, there are needs and there are needs that a pastor knows about. There's, and there's that which leadership knows that we need to do. And you have gifts and abilities. And guess what? I thought about this morning. Part of it, Kevin, was what if you, didn't, you called in sick this morning? We have no drummer. Delaney, you could drum. You could fill in, couldn't you? Oh, I know. You're not Kevin. Duh. But guess what? You have a gift and ability, and you even have a passion that way. Some of you might have some gifts and talents and abilities, and we don't even know what they are. And you sat there, and maybe you got squashed at one time in your life, maybe even by me. Well, guess what? It's time to engage again. Get back in the circle of life. So here's what we revolve, what what we're supposed to revolve around is between the great commandment, the great commission, and the great condition that will lead, that will share, that will grow, that will serve. And because we're doing those things, we can't help but grow in the way that we'll build. Build what? The kingdom of God. That's exactly what we're supposed to be building. Guess what? You're part of the kingdom. Here, where are you from, Brad? Tech? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Did they win last night, by the way? Did they beat Notre Dame? (coughs) I caught a little eye of that game. Um, Here's the deal. You're part of the kingdom of God if you're in Shadyside, Ohio, Moundsville. If you're over in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you're part of the kingdom. I want to tell you, I haven't met you yet, but you're a good-looking guy and love that beard. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're part of the kingdom of God. God's got a plan for you. You're not here but because you sat down and crafted your own life. I mean, that might have been what you did since you got out of the house or something. But the truth is, God's got a plan why you exist. So he's ordained our coming and our going, our laying down and our rising up. And so part of that is we want to learn that. And when you build and when you become to be part of that, you're going to natural. The next flow is to come into some, some level of leadership. Not that you have to, it's just that you get to. Because all, all of us can lead. All of us have an area where you're gifted and you have abilities. And you, if nothing else, folks, remember, you lead two important things. You either lead a family or lead yourself. Guess what I found? It's hard to lead other people, but it's also hard to lead yourself. Amen? All right, let's go on from there. So, we got our mission, we got our vision, lead, share, grow, serve, build. Any 
By the way, Joel's got a thing called texting set up. We're going to take a little Q&A at the end if I do a good job on my presentation here that I'll be able to, uh, we'll take some questions and answers from anything that I'm sharing or saying. I hope that you'll find that if you search the scriptures for anything I share, that you'll find that it has the integrity of the word of God behind it. Okay, it's not just my interpretation. Our perpetual goal for, for us is that we're going to be innovative, creative, rela- uh, relative, reliable, and inspiring. It's not always easy to do all that, but that's part of what, when I sat down to write, what, what is our really part of our goal here is to do that. So that's what this, pres- this whole presentation is about, is to try to, to do something to be inno- innovative and creative. Amen? Thank God I have uh, Joel who has uh, got some of that stuff. So here's the deal. What was recent history? This is part of our, the communication here. What was going improving the church website? That's something that actually Kenny is kind of like a consultant to. Joel's uh, worked with him. If you've gone, if you haven't gone to it, it's timefornewlife.com, timefornewlife.com. And um, you'll see it outside a couple different places. We're trying to add different dimensions to it. We're trying to keep it up to date. It's not something I, I think you're going to in, uh, go to every, uh, every uh, week or every day. But it's something for visitors that they can, uh, they can do a search. They'll be able to find our presence. We've had several people. I think, Brad, you came here that way, didn't you? That you found. Did you find it on the web? Yes. And it was generally helpful from what I understand you had indicated. So did you, uh, did you gentlemen find it on the web or you did? Okay, great. We're, we appreciate it. So something on there intrigued you at least to the point where you, you thought you'd check it out. So we, we pray that we're not disappointing you. Um, today is a little different than, than what we normally do. Amen. The other thing is, is that we're also working on the kiosk. It's called the kiosk, which we're incorporating children's ministry and nursery. You saw some of the kids have little name tags on. That's so that we understand they're identified and they're matched with a parent. This is part of our growth plan is that someday it'll be big enough that, that we're going to have more children and we want to be sure that we have, uh, we're protecting them, that we're making sure that we know if there are allergies, if there's uh, medical conditions, and that when they check in, the only person who can check them out is the person with that matching um, uh, badge or matching tag. And so that's part of it. This is our kiosk. Nursery, we're, we're trying to get that up to the point where we can check in uh, the kids in nursery through the kiosk. Uh, my goal is to have an attendant there who will help just manage that on any given Sunday. That's your job when you come here. You're the kiosk person. So if that's you, you can handle it. You can learn it. I'd like that to be somebody who is just known and you, you get to, we'll have a couple of them so you're not chained to that, but I'd love to have that. You see on the right in the between a printer, and the, uh, the, the screen is a little scanner. And all we got to do, we can even scan your Kroger card. And it pulls your information. We get you registered in. It's a re- rather quick and efficient process. So that's what we want to, uh, to show. That's the kiosk. From there, the other thing is, as we want to go into real quickly, is the finances. This is, uh, is kind of showing the annual income over a period of years from 2000. That's when I got here. In 2000, so you can see the green graph. And basically, it goes up, and everything looks wonderful until 2010. And then at 2010, you see a little more definition of a little mountain there. And that just shows that we had a decline. That's the first time in all of my time here we actually went down on our income. Now, I don't know exactly. You can blame that on the economy. I don't blame it on anything specific. In 2011, our income was $237,000 as a church. $237,791, you saw. Our total expenses were 247,386.92. Thanks, Becky. Personnel expenses, which means salaries, uh, benefits, um, taxes, is $98,026.49. No, I don't make $98,000. Outreach and care expenses are 34807 Edification is 11788 our business expenses, which includes mortgage and paying for the electricity and air and all that stuff, is 92714 or 715 Our other expenses, which sometimes means kitchen and stuff that we don't quite know where to put it, <laughs> it goes into this category. That's $10,049. We know what it is, by the way. We just haven't decided a very good category. So sometimes that gets 
put in that, that area. Total expenses, that represents once again 247386 You guessed it. Our excess expenses were 9595 That means we had available funds. Don't, don't give up on us yet. <laughs> our available funds as of that, that time in the year, the end of the 2011, were 14000 that means checking and savings, 14848 Our estimated inventory valuation is $135,000. That means projectors, that means chairs, that means desks, that means computers. Our appraised property value as of 2008 was $500,000. They've determined that because of the structure and type of this building, that it's more useful than just as a church. It could be professional building, uh, professional offices, dentists, different things. So it actually has value that gives us a greater valuation than if we were just a big cathedral. Um, So as of 2008, that was. So then we have our uh, net worth minus our mortgage. The mortgage was $229,000 is what we owe on this, uh, our our total land and building. So our total net worth is $419,998. Joel says, Dad, can't we just make it like $420,000? So um, somebody give us enough money to make that $420,000. Well, here's the deal. How could we spend, before we go to this one, Joel, how could we spend more than we took in? Well, if you noticed, we had $14,000 on hand. That was total cash. And, of course, like anybody else, our checkbook is always fluctuating. Today, whatever our offering was goes into it. We have salaries and other things that will come out. So that's always fluctuating. But what we had is from the year previous, we had a carryover. And uh, that carryover is what enabled us to make expenditures that we knew that we wanted to make. Um, So it didn't surprise us. You remember one of my mottos is, is we never let money be the deciding factor to something we're going to do. Well, sometimes that can catch up with you, and that might even bite you in the pants. Um, Here's the deal. God's been faithful. We try to take those things. We could probably tighten our belt. There's always things that we could do better. But the bottom line is, is we spent, of this, of of monies, um, we spent a whole lot on what's called benevolence. Benevolence is taking care of people and helping people who have a need. Sometimes that's gas. Sometimes that's an electric bill. Sometimes that's paying I don't like to, we don't pay uh, uh, first, last, and security. We don't, we don't do the rent thing. But what we do is we, we especially, we, we try to help with the food pantry, but then in addition to what the food pantry might do in town. So we spend money on benevolence. I don't let money be the deciding factor when I survey and evaluate a need. I try to help meet that need. So uh, if we err... The general rule for my ministry and for, for my life is if I err, I err on the side of compassion. I don't know if somebody's cheating us or not. I'm, I'm not going to be the guy with that gavel. What I do is I try to evaluate the need, and, and I'm going to try to bless. And so that's, that's generally been our goal. So last year we lost money, but that was part of a, uh, you could say, plan because we knew we were going to make certain improvements in our building. We knew we were going to do certain things that we had to upgrade um, for us, because of presentation, for example, computers are a big thing. We've got to have that kind of technology to do what we do on a Sunday morning. Well, go, let's go on to the finances. You know, I just had this thought. How many of you, when you go out and you go to, to how many of you eat out someplace, a restaurant where you get service, meaning other than McDonald's or Burger King or fast food? Well, we have this thing that we do when we go somewhere, when we eat somewhere, um, and that's called we tip, don't we? How many of you tip only the minimum, which is 10%? Does anybody just tip 10% when you go at a restaurant? How many of you have been waiters or waitresses, by the way, that you've worked off of tips? <laughs> Sometimes that'll help make you not be a 10% tipper. So some of you might say 15%. Some of you might even say 20 You know what sometimes I like to do? I like to find out what their best tip of the day was and then beat it. Well, I guess 10 bucks. I'm likely to give them a $20 tip. Do you know why? Because it makes an impact. Don't you think if somebody gave you something that was just above and beyond, it'd be like, whoa, that's wild. Especially if I got to talk about Jesus. See? So generosity is a major thing for me, is that I want to be considered a generous person, both with my time, with, with my opinion. Now, that means my knowledge skill, ability, and with my treasure, with my money. So my question for you is, 
are you tipping or are you tithing? Tithing, literally, if you count there, there's ten little slices. God says he just wants one slice. Now, this isn't about tithing message. I've got to do the whole picture. But I want you to understand that the way the church functions, the way that I'm paid a full-time salary, that Joel's paid a full-time salary, is by the faithful giving, which is tithing. Now, you can give, and that means you walk up and you, you put something down. But that's not very planned out. You got to, God's got a better plan for you. He meets your needs. And, and we need to, by, the easiest thing we can do is not worry about it. Years ago, before I got saved, God spoke to my heart about giving. So I've, I've generally been a generous person even before I got saved. And, and what it was is that it was his. I never counted that mine, just like the government takes their taxes out on you firsthand. You never see that. You don't get the option. See, you get a right W-4, how many you're going to exemptions, but that's the, the nature of that. Then Uncle Sam takes his right off the top, doesn't he? Well, the church, we don't operate like that, so we do it in trusting you, see? That's what God does. He blesses you and entrusts you. Take a 10% slice out of whatever that is. I just got somebody who doesn't even come to our church. Actually, there's about five or six people who don't come to our church that they, they've, they're tithing to this church. Pretty bizarre. Once, once a relative uh, here of somebody in the church tithed to this church. How, how cool is that? So here's the deal. That's just setting that 10% apart and saying, nope, I'm not figuring on it. I won't miss it because I've never planned on it. Folks, there's some of you who, who think that that's Old Testament kind of things. You're just arguing it's a condition of the heart. I'm just going to tell you that. You know, you want to continue with mediocre, then you continue with that kind of stuff. But when you come to the point of generosity, I'm telling you, the, the principle is you can't outgive God. Does anybody in the room could say that they've, they've seen that? You can't outgive God? Go ahead, show me your hand. I know there's a lot of you out there. So the idea is, is you can either be begrudgingly, which means that stupid church makes everybody walk up front, you know, and if you don't walk up front, I'm sure there's somebody watching to see that you didn't give anything. It's actually, no, we don't, we don't watch. That's why we do it. If you come to me, I've got my eyes closed. I don't want to see who's coming up. I don't want to see what you're putting in. That's not what it's about. It's not about us needing it. God takes care of us. I want you to be able to get the blessing. So that's how we do the things that we do in the church. Our number one priority is see people get saved and come to a, a, a deeper relationship with God. Amen? Let's go on, Joel. I just want to consider that because I know that I gave a $20 tip the other day to somebody which represented, let's see, what was our bill, Arlo? Our bill was... Um, now, this is extravagant because we're on our 30th anniversary, kind of. So we went out and we ate. The meal wasn't extravagant, just the price. It was extravagant because I was with my bride. And our bill was $62 for two of us. You should say, boy, you really love her. 62 bucks, And I think we ended up making it 80 What's so we should have done 62 at 10% would be 620. Does that sound right? So if you doubled that, that means 1240. 1240 would have been a 20% tithe. Well, we wanted to bless in excess, and so what we did is we gave 20. Now, that's not... The idea is it's just the generosity, just to blow, blow somebody away, because they're thinking, oh, great, they've been here for like 45 minutes. I didn't get to turn my table been there, done that. So you know what? If you begin to put your heart and make it intentional that you want to bless, that's what's going to happen. You'll begin to have joy in your giving. Amen? Let's go on, Joel. Ministry. One of the things we've done this year is, is we, we, um, in 2011, as well as continuing, is that we've been putting together ministry descriptions so that when you want to come along and you want to know how can you serve we can actually help you with your giftings. Um, we've got some other things we'll be introducing to help identify what those are. For some of you who don't know what your spiritual gift is, how you can help out. Um, we've got some ways we're going to do. Kevin's going to be helping me with some of that. It's called Network. It's about spiritual gifts. It's about finding out what your passion is, what, what God's already put in you. The other thing is called Right Now Training. This is cool because it's Internet-based. I can send it to you. You don't have to worry about being able to come up from Payton City to be able to, 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 to take in some teaching and, and have specific learning. 
that puts us on the same page. See, you can do all this learning online and from other places, but what's happening is it's not necessarily what New Life Fellowship is doing. So what I need us to do is to be on the same page. That's us growing together in unity. And so right now, we'll give us that training. I can send you a training post. They take, on average, 15 to 20 minutes. There's some interactive questions in them. You can knock that out in in whatever stage. Um, I get to know when you're done, you get to ask questions back or respond to back. I get to know what you've done specifically as far as training goes. It's a great tool for, for leadership in the church. It's a great tool for you because you get kind of the quick hit of it. Not an hour and a half or two-hour thing. You get a 20-minute thing. Let's go on. Weekly vitals is something that we've been sending out for a while, and a few of you have done them. Joseph's been really good with that. Um, We'll be sending that out. It's something we'd like for you to go to automatically. If you don't, it's okay. We're going to be sending it as an email blast. On weekly vitals, what it's going to ask you is, uh, we have every area of ministry in the church listed. And you come down and you click on the one that you're involved in, in nursery or grounds or or, or um, hospitality, or, or teaching. And what you'll do is you'll click on it, and then it'll ask you questions relevant to your area of serving for the week. And then what I love is that Joel's done is incorporate on the bottom, kind of half of it really, is how are you doing? How are you doing spiritually? You know, and it gives you several options. You just get to pick them. You can click on it, and if you want to uh, say something beyond that, you, you, can, you can write that in. So weekly vitals is something we're going to send to everybody who's serving in some capacity, and you'll put down that week that you've served in this way, and you'll fill in that form. It probably takes five minutes to do. Um, it also gives you a share a story, a little time about you get to talk about an impact that you've made. So some of you, Rick was taking our visitors around this morning. I hope that there was a little dialogue there, and you felt friendship, and you felt like, gosh, this guy doesn't even know me, and yet he's expressing this, you know, kind of thing. That's the way we should have. So I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that they really felt like they found a home, you know. So that's weekly vitals. How are we doing? Refinancing the church. That's what we're doing. You know why? Our existing mortgage that we have right now comes back to April of 2008. We have a fixed rate mortgage, which is pretty uh, amazing for churches. Our original mortgage, uh, well, way back was 400 plus thousand. But right now, it was 255193 It was for a term of 30 years at 6% interest. That was pretty good back in 2008. Our minimum monthly payment, just our mortgage here, is $1,534. Um, what we've decreed is part of stewardship is that we were going to pay an extra amount toward principal on every payment. So the church has been for since 2008 and before, by the way, we've been paying $1,800 a month on our mortgage. That, we believe, is good stewardship to get that, that payment, uh, that debt. So our projected interest on our original note was $297,000, and that's just interest, folks. Two hundred fifty-five plus two ninety-seven is if we took 30 years to do this, that's what we would be paying. Can you say, ouch? So here's what the deal is. Our new mortgage, our current balance is actually under two twenty-five but it's going to take us about $4,000 to refinance. So if anybody wants to write a check for $4,000, we'll just keep it at the $225. But otherwise, we're figuring that gets what they call rolled in. We'll roll it in. That's $230,000 mortgage. We are going from an existing 22-and-a-half-year term. We're going to bring it down to a 15-year term at 4.25%. Okay? And that's going to make our payment $1,730. Guess what? We've been paying 1800 It's no stretch for us to go ahead and, and plan the 1700 See, this is what we need to do to be able to pay off this debt. Our projected interest at four and a quarter for 15 years is $81,443. That's a lot of interest. But guess what? Our interest without refinancing from this point forward would be $183,821. Huh? Guess what happens? Our savings and interest is over $102,000 by refinancing the church. Do you understand? That's called stewardship. So when I'm talking to you about stewardship in your own, your own debt structure, your own, are you honoring God with the tithe? We're trying to do the same thing in the body of Christ and at New Life is that we represent that, that that's big for us. We should save that kind of money because that's better stewardship. The sooner we get this building paid off, We get to do other things 
And, and that means to expand the kingdom of God. See? So here's the deal. We're not planning on staying the same. God doesn't desire that. God has a plan of growth for all of us. See? Here's what one of our goals for 2013 is. Guess what? It's a campaign called I Love My Church. We want to help you to be able to invite other people. We want to help you to be able to know part of it sometimes with our church is that it's different every Sunday. There'll be something uniquely different. Though we'll sing songs and we do certain things, there's something going to be uniquely different every week. So I like to think that that's signs of a, a church that's, that's alive and growing and not a dead church. But here's the thing. The, other, the, the downside of that is that sometimes you don't know what you're going to bring your friends or neighbors into. So that's called flaky. I don't want to be on either side of those. So what I like to do is we're trying to find some happy hunting ground. And that means is we're, our goal is without giving you a whole year forecasted of what the sermons are going to be, we'd like to be a layout for you on at least some, here's what for the next four weeks I've been doing it. We were talking about the essentials of faith. Now we were talking about the greatness of God. Now we're talking about global God. We want to be able to empower you so you know what, what's coming up. You might have a friend or a neighbor who would benefit. If you knew what was coming, you could invite them to it, and they might be interested. Get it? So that's part of it. I love my church is teaching us how to reach out to other people, to invite people. We've got stuff I'll share with you a different Sunday about I love my church. The other thing that we want to accomplish, part of the, the what will be, is that we have an altar ministry team. Kevin is ready to take that up, and he's been working on that. We've actually got a list. I don't know how good it'll work, plugging people in. Our goal is for ministry to happen in church without it being about Pastor Joel. It's having you, some of you, are on that list. We, we teamed you up so that we've got for, for, for men, for women, for teenagers, that we'll be able to have somebody up here that you can come and get prayer with. And so that's the altar ministry team. The friendship team is something that we have a goal that when we have this little welcome packet, we've got Shirley out there. She was... I think filling it out earlier. We need a welcome team. We want you to be out there when people come in. Rick was doing it a little bit with, with our, our friends here this morning a little bit. Your friendship team is that's exactly what you do. You interact with people. You recognize it, see, see what's going on, and you just become a friend. So in here, there's only one thing we really need. This is our welcome packet we put together in 2011. It's, it's a very nice and actually has a little bit of money involved in this. Okay. These cost $4 for this pack, okay? To give them out and do nothing with it is worthless, see? That's bad stewardship. Our goal is I just need this one little piece right there. It gives me a name and contact information so I can call and I can follow up and I can see, hey, talk to me about our service. Talk to me about what you liked and what you didn't like. Tell me how we can improve. Did we connect you with God? Well, no, because all that stuff you put up didn't do any God stuff for me. Okay, that's all right for this Sunday. Then it has an invite you card in it. It has a business card. So this is called our welcome pack. The friendship team is what we need to do this. That's a specific area of ministry where you're going to, it's about hospitality. It's about friendship. It's welcoming people, making them feel part of our family. All right? That's our friendship team. Impact ministry training is something that we want to be doing on Wednesday nights. And that uh, Wednesday night, the focus will be to help clarify um, what we're supposed to be doing, like the friendship team. You'll learn what that's about by coming on a Wednesday night training time. So we have a Bible study going on a Wednesday night. We're going to have uh, uh, ministry training happening on a Wednesday night. Then the other thing is called AIM. It's something I introduced. Some of you will recognize it from 10 years ago. It's accountability, it's impartation, and it's mentoring. That's what it's called. We're taking AIM because we want to be in that cycle of leadership, of growing, of sharing, that this taking AIM means We'll have quarterly meetings where we have, uh, we, we have some time of communicating mission and vision and purpose, evaluating how well we're doing. So that's called AIM. That's quarterly meetings, accountability, impartation, and mentoring. And then what will be? Finances. We're about 10 minutes, I think, aren't we? Growing the kingdom of God means adding staff. Guess what? Um, Joel has been a big, big blessing. I wouldn't be doing a lot of this stuff today. We would be doing a different format if it was on me. Um, this adding staff is important. One of the things that we're actually talked about was Kevin Moore. Um, you've heard him preach. You've, you've had him pray with you. You've, he's been hanging around for a, a, quite a while. I'm not going to share personal details, but I know what he makes in, uh, 
in doing what he does, and I think you're gifted and you're called beyond where you're at. And uh, there's no reason, in my mind, if we're tithing, not just tipping, but if we're tithing, there's no reason that we wouldn't be able to add Kevin as full-time staff. My goal is to add him as part-time right now. He's going to continue in his, what he's doing. I'm not saying right now, meaning I've made that decision. Kevin's known my heart. How long have we been talking about this, Kevin? Yeah. It's been my goal is because I can see the need because what I want to do and what God has put on my heart, folks, is to reach the lost and yet disciple you, those who are here. I don't want it to be like I'm not concerned about you, but we've got to do something to add another dimension and element to accomplish greater things than what we're doing. That's why there there wasn't one disciple. <laughs> Get it? So what my goal is, is to, to ask you folks for you to, to, to say, are you honoring God with, your, with the tithe? And if you're not, just to challenge you that way. My, my plan is for, for growth, and that's personal growth, and that's kingdom growth. So I'd like to add Kevin at least part-time to begin with, with a goal of bringing him on full-time. Um, and I believe that's going to help us to go to the next level in the church. All right? Go on to the next item. The last thing on my heart, the member of our little bulletin, the biggest thing that we could possibly do, look at that. Do you see the little vans down there on the front? These are vans. You see them? This is a church building right here. These are two, two vans. Do you see the road and the cars? That humongous cross. Uh, we're going to call this, in my heart, I've had this for a couple of years. Uh, I saw it, and it was, it's called the Hope of the Valley. That's what I want to construct. It's called the Hope of the Valley. This particular cross is 110 feet tall, and it's 65 feet wide. Look over there, and you guys look over here. This building is 60 feet across. Is that right, Joe? So the wingspan of the cross is this room. 110 feet tall. How long is this building, Joe? 156 feet. So you could almost go back to somewhere in the middle of the, probably around where the classroom is, where, uh, where the uh, kid's junior, and that's the, the depth. So here's another picture. You can see the, this is a large Baptist church right there. You can see how the cross just towers. Here's another one. You can see the telephone pole in the background. And here's another one. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm going to tell you that, that there's a price affixed to that. How many know that's going to cost money? See this here? Foundation in memory of Addison Grace Mead, daughter of David and Angela Mead, 1998 to 2005. Beloved granddaughter, sister, friend, loved and missed by all. You know, I've got somebody who's wanting to do a memorial who wants to do something big and grand. And when I saw it, I knew that's exactly what it is. And then, then I come to find that this plaque was on that, 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 uh, that cross. Folks, the Hope of the Valley is about people who have lost their lives. It's about the people who need to find their lives, who need to find Jesus. I love what the guy who builds these, he actually provides the, uh, uh, the uh, architectural drawings for him for the wind, limit, wind, wind loads and all that stuff. And... and what he says is that right there, those are his two scriptures. If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The second one is, as Moses lifted up the servant, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's the cross, folks, that has given us eternal life. And there's no greater sim- symbol of eternal life for, for us than the cross. So, you know, I've actually considered, I'm going to just fill this real quick myself, I've considered that why would you want to do, because uh, I don't, don't know if I even want to scare you with the amount of money that would cost. This is steel clad, by the way. It's roughly six feet in, it's, a, it's in a diamond, shape of a diamond on the base. You see how that works? So it comes out, it, this is one side, and then the back side. And so it's basically six feet each way. The base itself is 13 feet square. The amount of concrete going in to anchor that bad boy it's steel beam going all the way up into there, and then it's got the skin of, uh, of steel over it. It's, it's pretty big. How many have seen the one out uh, to Cambridge on 77 as you head south? You remember what it looks like? It's kind of like a pencil. Now, I'm not taking away from it or detracting. It's probably a lot less expensive. Um, but for me, do you know what view we have out here 
on Route 2 and Route 7 and on the river? Do you know how a 100-foot-tall structure with light at night, what it, would, what, what it would do? Isn't that a beacon? And so, you know, I've just, I thought, you know, there's people that, well, pastor just wants to have something that's his own, this or that. You know, it really isn't about me. It's about the cross. It's about lifting up. You know, there are people who don't know that we, we're even here. You guys wouldn't have found us if, if you hadn't been on the Internet somehow and used GPS. I've said for years, you've got to be looking for this church to find it. There are people who don't know we even exist. But I'll tell you what, with a 100-foot structure lit up at night, you know, visible in the day, there's no way you couldn't know that we're here. If, the, if, if, if we would do that and, and that would be... So I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you to pray about it. See? I'm going to ask you to, to try to see the burden. I'm going to ask you to, to go ahead and come up with the reasons why. Well, shouldn't we put that into the mortgage? Shouldn't we put that into to, to paying off stuff? There's a lot better uses of money than putting them in some stupid steel structure. And I would agree with you. But I will also tell you that there are people that, that I know who bought large sections of, of, of cemeteries so that they could honor their dead. And guess what? It's invisible to everybody else. Folks, there are coal miners, and there are steel workers, and there are people who have lost their lives. You know, I immediately, of course, think about uh, Devron here and a teenager who lost her life. And I'm thinking about, you know, wouldn't it be a glowing thing that where they found hope is in the cross? And why wouldn't it be a thing to, to be as a, a memorial that is, serves for not only the dead but for the living? It's something that, that gives us hope. And so I can just tell you that if I've got a big thing, the big thing is right here. We want to do is put a prayer thing out. You know what we thought about? When people came and they saw that cross and they said, I've got to pursue that. When they come up here onto the hill, you know what I'd like to have? I'd like to have some point of contact out here on the prayer deck. That's what that deck is, by the way. I'd like to have a prayer deck. I'd like to have a way that they could call somebody 24-7 that they could say, hey, I'm standing up here at the foot of the cross. You know what I'd say? I'll be right up. I don't care what time it would be. I'd say I'd be right up. Because if you made your way to the cross, then I want to help you to engage God. I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Amen. You know, there's actually that there's probably about 10 or 20 of these built around the United States. Actually, some are even over in in, uh, other countries. But for us, I think we have a prime location. There's nothing like this in the valley. Can you put up that definition of landmark, Joel? What it becomes is a landmark. People have come up here. We have people all the time who come up to take pictures off the deck, and they think that it ought to be some sort of an overlook, a scenic overlook or whatever. Um, and it is. Um, but here's the deal. Landmark is a prominent or conspicuous object on land that serves as a guide. How about a cross being a guide? See, a building or other place that is outstanding of outstanding historical, aesthetic, or cultural importance. Is there anything more important than the cross of Christ? See, it's an outstanding historical, aesthetic, and cultural importance. It's often declared as such and given a special status. And I think the last one... Uh, okay, a significant or historic event, juncture, or achievement. I'm going to tell you that the cross represents for Christianity is life itself. Amen? Is that the last one? Okay, so go ahead and put that last piece up one more time. A significant or historic event, juncture, achievement. Folks, it'll always be that I began to really live when I came to the cross. When God revealed himself to me. So... I just want to put that out there. Our goal would be that there's some way of interacting. Our goal would be is that people would be drawn to Christ. There's so much more. We had 82 slides, and Joel and I just said, you know what, we can't do that. So what we're going to do instead is we'll we'll have to tell that in bits and pieces from from here forward. But here's the last thing. This area, this represents uh, roughly four feet. This is where we do a baptismal tank. Derek, I'm glad you got baptized, brother. You got baptized a couple weeks ago, right? And you know... It was at your dad's church. And, but I felt like we talked about it in July about the baptismal pool and we need to, we need to, we, we've had it before. Folks, I don't want it to be a once a year thing. What I want to do is I want to build it in. I want to, 
Joe's heard it. It's going to take some work. But I want to come back in here a couple feet, and then it'll protrude a little bit, and we're going to sink it down in, cut the concrete out, sink it down into the ground to put, put a cap on it like this so that we can just take that bad boy off. We've got a portable heater, and we've got a pump, and we've got everything else we need for it. We've got a liner. We can build it in and make it. It'll look integrated much like it is now. It'll be one step higher than this. That's what it would be ideally. And that's the place where we can take that off and we can baptize. Marcy says she wants to be baptized. Why should we delay? Why should we wait? We should be having salvation happening that we're going to begin to where we're having quarterly baptisms down to monthly. Literally in my notes, I have monthly baptism. And guess what? We could do it on the spot on any given Sunday. And if we're doing this, if we're leading and if we're sharing our faith, if we're seeing people come to Christ and then they're going to grow, part of the process of growth is to be baptized and then to serve and then to build. And as we build and we grow, what's going to happen is those people go out and they make disciples. Some of the greatest witnesses for evangelism are those who have recently accepted Christ and have that fire on them, isn't it? So anyway, these all sound grand. You know, my goal is to to continue to live my life before you and before God that will be pleasing to him, that will accomplish and fulfill what God has. My goal is to to be to to preach the word in season. My goal is to, to help to inspire and motivate, to take you and to lead you to the greatness of God. Folks, it also means taking this church where we've never been before. I'm coming up. I'm in the midst of, uh, it'll be 13 years coming up in April of 2013. You know what I want to do? I believe our greatest days are still ahead of us. And I believe your greatest days are still ahead of you because you haven't been to anything quite like where we're at, quite like where we're going to be going. I just want to encourage you that. That's what God has put in my heart. There's no quit in me. There's nothing but charge on, charge on. Let's pray.